Let's pray. And then we'll open up God's word. So encouraging, Jesus, to hear what you're doing in, in, in the body here. We thank you for your work of grace in us, through us. Lord, I praise you for your word. What a privilege it is to be able to teach such amazing passages. And thank you for this passage we're going to look at today. What a powerful word, Jesus, that you you taught here. Open our hearts. We know that war is going on in this room. The evil one wants to pluck this word from our hearts. He wants to choke it out. He wants to squeeze it out. He wants to kill it in any way he can. Lord, let us fight to focus, to hear, to receive, and let your word sink deep into our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, last week we started a new uh, teaching series called Grace-Based Marriage. And my longing through this series is that we would experience Jesus' grace transforming our marriages and and strengthening our marriages. And this would be powerful for married couples here, but that it would also be life-giving and encouraging to singles and various implications that these passages have so we all get benefit from this. But especially asking the Lord to enable us to experience Jesus' grace really strengthening us in our marriages and transforming us. And one way that Jesus can transform our marriages is by enabling us to forgive. To forgive each other. And this is really, really important. Here's why. As much as your spouse is a wonderful person, okay, which is why you married him or her, this side of heaven, the reality is that they will continue to sin. There's no excuse for it. There's no justification for it. But that's reality. This side of heaven, your spouse will sin against you. All right? Could be just sarcastic words, could be the silent treatment, could be general selfishness, any number of ways. But the reality is that this side of heaven, your spouse will, will sin against you. And over the weeks and months and years of marriage, what that means is that unless you forgive your spouse, over the years, weeks, and months of, of sin against you, there will be like this piling up wall between you and your spouse. It's this wall here of anger, bitterness, holding grudges. And, and this, this wall will stay there, and the result is that you will, you will separate from each other. Maybe not physically, but in terms of affection, you'll grow distant. Maybe you'll do it in a civil way, where you're still living in the same house, and you're cordial to each other, but you just kind of like, you do your thing, I'm going to do my thing. Or it can be less civil ways. Okay, but the problem is, because this side of heaven, we still sin against each other, unless you forgive your spouse, there will be a, a wall built up here of unforgiven sin that will cause bitterness and anger and holding grudges and distance and a breakdown of the relationship. The wonderful news is that Jesus, by his grace, can enable you to forgive every single time brick put in that wall so it can all be moved out of the way and you can reach out to your spouse regardless of how they respond to you you can continue to reach out to them jesus can give us grace to forgive every sin that's committed against us turn to matthew chapter 18 to see this if you need a bible go ahead and raise your hand one of the ushers will bring one to you 
I try to preach or teach in such a way that you walk away with a passage in your mind so that the main ideas you can find in the Bible, not just something that I said, but something that the Bible says. And so I'd like you to all have a Bible open in front of you so we can look along together. Matthew 18, this is my go-to passage when I have a hard time forgiving somebody. I would recommend it to you. Time and time again, when I have been bitter or angry and unforgiving towards someone, when I have turned to this passage, prayed over this passage, pursued the truths that Jesus taught in this passage, time and time and time again, Jesus has changed my heart. Because you know how that can be. When you are bitter against somebody and angry against somebody, it feels like you'll never be able to forgive them. Right? It's just not going to happen. Look at my heart. But Jesus in his grace can change your heart. And that's what's talked about in this passage. It's page 823 in the Bibles we just passed out. Matthew 18, starting in verse 21. Let me just read through the whole passage and then we'll go back through and and work our way through what's going on here. Starting in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now this is a massive amount of money, maybe like a billion dollars in today's currency. Okay, you don't understand what 10,000 talents is, but that is an unbelievable massive amount of money. So one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a billion dollars. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. Now that might sound harsh in our culture. That was not harsh back in those days. That was justice. When you borrowed money back in those days with the commitment to pay by a certain date, if you didn't pay by a certain date, this is what would happen. This was entirely the just step for this king to take. And all of Jesus' listeners would have understood that. So verse 25, since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, sold into slavery, and payment to be made. Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Right? Didn't just say, okay, you can pay back, take some more time. Said, you don't need to pay back the billion dollar debt. Off the books. Go in peace. Borrow no more. Okay, whatever. All right, so forgave him the debt. Verse 28. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. That's like two thousand dollars. Okay, if we use a billion for them, this is the proportion we're talking about. A billion to two thousand. Owed him a hundred denarii, two thousand dollars. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. 
So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your hearts. Wow. Don't you love Jesus' teaching? Amazing. Okay, so this all starts off with the question that Peter asks Jesus. How often do I need to forgive? And as the question, verse 21, look at it again. Peter came up and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? Now, understand Peter's question. How often will my brother sin against me? This is not someone accidentally harming you or inadvertently causing you some difficulty. This is someone sinning against you. Intentionally, knowingly, willingly sinning against you, harming you. Okay, so it's not something they didn't know about, they knew about it. Okay, so that's the picture here. How many times, if somebody intentionally, knowingly harms me, how many times should I forgive? Like maybe seven times? Okay? And if you think about it, that's a lot. I mean, and let's put it in the context of marriage. Let's say that your spouse says something just really nasty to you this afternoon, just really hurtful, okay? And you forgive them. And then maybe tomorrow night your scheduled date night or something, and, and they knowingly go ahead and schedule something else. And you forgive them. That's two. And then something else for number three, and number four, number five, number six, number seven. And you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive. So this is big. Okay? Peter's, Peter's coming through with some generous forgiveness going on here. Right? Like seven times? Okay? The disciples are all nodding like, wow, okay, right? And it is wow. But look at what Jesus says. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times. Again and again and again. And Jesus' point, of course, isn't that once you reach 491, it's like, yes, <laughs> vengeance, you know, finally. No, obviously. I mean, Jesus' point is, I mean, feel this, that we forgive again and 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 again until glory, right? Okay, now if we're honest, at this point we'll be thinking that's really hard to do. Right, unless you're in some kind of la-la dreamland, all right, this is hard to do, very hard to do. In fact, if you're honest, you'd feel like this is impossible. Okay? And I thought it would be helpful to ponder the question, what, what makes it so hard? What, what keeps us from forgiving? 
And let me just give you an example so we can think this through in terms of, of a marriage situation. Those of you who are single make the appropriate adjustments. But let's say that you and your spouse have an agreement uh, that every other night you will take turns putting the kids down. Okay, we remember those days. All right. So every other night, it'd be your turn to uh, give them the, the baths, you know, and to read them their stories and to pray with them and to, and to, to, put, them, to put them down. So you have this agreement every other night. And so tonight, it's your spouse's turn, let's say, for example. And uh, you realize it's past, past bedtime. And so you graciously uh, mention to your spouse, you know, time to put the kids down. And your spouse snaps back at you. I'm just too tired tonight. Can't do it. You've got to do it. Sorry. Don't mention it. You, you just got to take care of it. Okay? Snaps at you. They're not like, you know, I'm too tired. Would you help me out? No, no, just like, I, I'm not going to do it. I'm too tired. You take care of it. Now, I should mention, forgiveness doesn't mean you never mention things to people. So there would be an appropriate time where you'd want to mention this to your spouse. And we'll be talking more about that in the weeks ahead. But at this point in time, you just think, okay, it's time to take care of the kids now. We'll bring this up at another time. So you, you go and you start to take care of the kids. So your husband has just snapped at you, or your wife, okay, whoever it is. And why at that point is it so hard for you to forgive them for this? Okay? I can think of two main reasons why it would be hard for me. I mean, Jan never did that and never, never would do that. Okay? But just thinking, imagining, okay, I can think of two reasons why this would be hard in terms of forgiving. One is, when somebody sins against you, they always bring you some Harm, or they cause you some loss. There's something that you had that they have taken from you. In this case, what is it? You're looking forward to some time just kind of putting your feet up. You've worked hard all day, okay? I mean, and you, you put the kids down last night. It's not that you don't love your kids. You love your kids, okay? But it's, this is your night to kind of put your feet up, maybe do some reading, take some relaxing time. You were counting on this. You had... An extra like hour of just relaxed time coming to you, and your spouse took it, right? So you have this this pain of loss. There's this feeling of loss that you've incurred that your spouse took from you. Does that make sense? There's loss here, okay? And then the loss is like exacerbated or increased or stirred up, made even worse by by the sense of injustice. There's a feeling of injustice as well. Look at it this way. Let's say that your, your uh, spouse calls up, your husband say calls up and says, Hun, I've got to work late tonight. The project's almost done. It's going really well. Could you take care of the kids tonight? Put them down. I know it's my night. Could you handle it tonight? Look, I'll take her the next four nights in a row. Could you take care of this? You'd feel totally differently, right? Same loss. But with your husband just like being such a jerk... There's a sense of injustice as well. It's wrong. This is just not fair. I just simply want justice to be done. We had an agreement. It's not right. And so when you, when you mingle those together, there's a sense of loss whenever your spouse sins against you, coupled with the sense of the injustice of it, which makes it all the more painful. And so here's what that does. Picture like a scale in your mind. Like here's, here's your spouse and here's you. And this is the scale of, of well-being. What your spouse has just done is cost you well-being. And this gap and the injustice of it 
just gives you a great feeling of pain in your heart. And, and it's called anger and bitterness, right? Are you feeling it? I mean, I would guess some of you are feeling anger towards your spouse while I'm talking about this right now, okay? You could tell this story, but don't, okay? Not, not here. But now here's the problem. What do we in our fallenness do whenever there's this gap? What we want to do is even the scales some way, right? We want to do something that, to cause them some harm so things get evened out, right? Yeah! <laughs> We're feeling it, okay? And so, I mean, think, think about all the different ways we do this. We do this by, by nurturing a grudge, where you, you spend time and you spend time thinking about how wrong what they did was. It was so wrong. Now, why do you do that? It's because you think somehow that's going to somehow harm them. Thinking bad thoughts, psychic something. That's why you do it, though, right? It just feels good because it's like a way you can get back at them. They, it was so wrong, so wrong to do that. Are you feeling it? Okay. Or, and this is kind of similar, but you just, you just kind of feel the bitterness and the anger. Oh, I am mad at them. You're mad at them. And why, why do you do that? It's because somehow you feel like you're, you're evening the scales some. Or it can come out in some little more ways, like, like you, you just give your, your husband the silent treatment the rest of the night. Right? <laughs> no. Okay, now why do we do that? Because we think somehow, right? Why do you, it's because you're, you're hurting them in some way. Or it can come out in even... Even more obvious ways, you know, where you, you go and you tell all your friends, you know, about what a terrible person your, your spouse is, or you go and like spend money in some way that they wouldn't approve, or, or just, you know, you put Brussels sprouts in the casserole tomorrow night, or say, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it might be, okay? So, but isn't that what we do? Okay? There's this loss, this unjust loss, this pain of unjust loss, and in our fallenness, the way we respond to that is to hold it against them. Seek to right the wrong. Seek to even the scales by thinking harmful thoughts towards them, feeling harmful feelings towards them, doing harmful things towards them. I mean, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Don. <laughs> Anybody else listening? All right. <laughs> I missed the last part. Never mind. Okay. Okay, so that's why it's so hard to forgive. Unjust loss and the sense of holding it against them and trying to make up for it. So what would it mean to forgive then? Okay, here's this gap. Now from this passage, what would it mean to forgive? I noticed two crucial phrases. Notice in verse 33, the king says, Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Justice would have demanded payment of the billion dollars from this first servant. But instead, the king chose to have mercy and not pursue what justice would have allowed him to pursue. He let go of the claims of justice and exercised mercy. That's one crucial word. Second, verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debts. Okay? That is, the king does not hold the debt against him. 
The servant does not owe him a billion dollars anymore. No claim. It's off the books. Totally forgiven. And so I just put those two together, and I thought it was maybe a helpful definition of forgiveness. It means mercifully, it's mercy, not justice, mercifully not holding this person's sin against them. Mercifully not holding the person's sin against them. They've caused you unjust loss, but you mercifully don't hold that against them. Okay, you, you let it go. All right. Now, just comment. This doesn't mean we're doormats. Okay, forgiveness doesn't mean, like I said earlier, the, the husband or the wife, at some point in time, it would be helpful to say, what was going on last night? I didn't think that was loving or kind to respond that way. Is there something else going on? I mean, it'd be helpful to bring up these things. So it doesn't mean that we're, we're doormats. You can totally forgive someone and still lovingly and respectfully bring up your concerns with them, right? Now, it's really important, though, that you forgive someone before you bring up your respects or your, your, your concerns. Because if you don't forgive someone before you bring up your concerns, I've done this before. Oh, man, it was really bad. I hadn't totally forgiven somebody. I went, this is back in my real estate days. And I went and talked to them. And when I, when I left, I realized my goal in coming here was to make them feel bad. Right? Make them feel bad. That was my, my goal. And everything I said was true. But my, and they didn't feel bad. <laughs> and so I, 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 I turned it up a little bit, you know, because, I mean, I was there to, they, they should feel bad. Justice means they should feel bad. They should feel bad. <laughs> Finally, I said, you know, this is not going to go in a helpful direction. I think we'll just stop and leave. And I did. And nobody got hurt. <laughs> okay. So that's how it works. Okay, we're not doormats. It does mean we talk. It does mean we can, we can point out sin to each other graciously, humbly, appropriately. So forgiveness means mercifully not holding someone's sin against them. Okay, so how can you tell when you are forgiving someone genuinely? The most important way is that your the feelings in your heart towards them is care and love and desire for their well-being. Notice the end of verse 35, we must forgive your brother from your hearts. This is a heart thing. And you can tell you're forgiving because your feelings, instead of being anger and bitterness and wanting their ill, wanting their loss, your feeling is love and care and wanting their good. That's how you can tell. You're not nursing a grudge. You're not replaying in your mind what they did. You're not replaying in your mind what you're going to say. Ever do that, right? Imaginary dialogues and conversations. You're not giving them the silent treatment. You're not doing anything to harm them. In your heart, you desire their good, okay? They've done this to you, unjust loss, but you let it go and you desire their good now. That's what forgiveness means. Okay, now, how is that possible? I mean, you're feeling the pain of injustice, Okay, it's real. You're feeling the pain of loss. It's real. The only way your heart can change so you care for them and love them because you've let this go is if somehow your the pain of injustice can be like dissolved and the the pain of loss can be overshadowed or eclipsed in some way. That's what has to happen. And this parable shows us how. 
that can happen. I love the parable Jesus tells here. So the first servant is forgiven a billion dollar debt, okay? Which is just, it's an astonishing thing. It's an astonishing thing. And all the readers and all the listeners to the parable, Jesus crafts it so that we're all just like, that is amazing, that's wonderful that he had this billion dollar debt forgiven. But then the first servant goes out and demands the $2,000 payment, throws the guy in jail, and all of us are supposed to feel, that's horrible, right? That's a terrible thing. Now why? Why is it so terrible? Here's why. If the first servant had really seen the magnitude of what the king had done for him, the mercy of it, the gain of of it, if he really got in touch with what the king had just done for him, his feeling of injustice would have dissolved and his feeling of loss would have gone away. Let's take those one at a time so you can, you can see how this works. Let's start with the feeling of injustice. Okay? Now, can you get in touch with how when you feel that someone has unjustly wronged you, there's just the sense that you have been wronged It's not fair, it's not right, and you just simply want justice to be done. All you want is what's coming to you rightly. Right? That's this cry of the heart of justice, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's a sense in which that's a good thing to, to have happen. Okay? But now if you're this first servant... First servant's thinking, look, the guy owes me $2,000. He borrowed it from me. It was due yesterday. Justice means he's in jail. Simple. I just simply want justice to be done. The problem is, though, that this first servant, the only reason he's like walking around free is because the king chose not to do justice to him. The king chose to show mercy to him. Right? The only reason he's even talking to this guy who owes him $2,000 is because of massive mercy poured out upon him. Does this first servant really want what's justly owed him? Like from the king? Oh, I don't think I want justice after all. Right? And so what should have happened for this first servant is he should have been deeply humbled at the amazing mercy shown to him by the king. And when he sees the mercy of it, he would have been humbled so he would not have demanded justice from the second servants. And that's what needs to happen to us. You have felt this if you have been born again. The mercy of God in sending Jesus to die on the cross for you. You who owed a, a hell's worth of punishment. That's what you owed God. Eternity in hell being punished for your sins. That's what you owed And God, because of Jesus, forgave you of that and wiped that off the books. The only reason you're taking that last breath here and you're not in hell right now, okay, this is just the truth, church, the only reason is because someone had lavish mercy on you. You sit there in that chair by mercy. You should love mercy. And when you understand that the only reason you took that last breath here in that chair is because of mercy, you will not be quick to demand justice from other people. Do you feel how that works? 
It's mercy. And so when you understand the mercy of God, your sense of injustice will dissolve away. You'll be humbled because you'll realize, I don't want what's coming to me. I've received mercy. I'm not going to demand that others be just to me. I'm going to show them mercy. Now, there's a time and a place where justice can be pursued. Okay, There's more that could be said here. But it's not here in the dimension of, I'm not going to show forgiveness because of justice. We always forgive. Okay, what about the feeling of loss? Okay, well, again, just imagine somebody owes you $2,000. Okay, it's a lot of money. They owe you $2,000. Can you feel that? Okay. Now, how would that sense of loss, they owe you $2,000, it was due yesterday, they haven't paid me, I'm out $2,000, how would that feeling of loss change if tonight you won a billion dollars in the lottery? Wouldn't your feeling about the $2,000 change? Would you remember the $2,000? There's a very good chance you wouldn't. Or if you did, you'd say, (laughs) it doesn't make any difference. Keep it. Right? That's what this first servant should have experienced. And and that's what we've experienced through Jesus Christ. I mean, the, the lottery that we have received by God's grace through the cross of forgiveness, of a new heart, of God's presence in our lives, of his fatherly love and care at every turn of the road, his provision, his guidance, his strengthening, his comfort, his heart satisfying. We have won the lottery. We've won the lottery. And when you see that and feel that, the losses that others bring to you will be eclipsed by that. And not as important because of the vast, massive lottery of God's love and care that you have through the cross. And that's how you forgive people. You don't forgive people just kind of by gritting your teeth and saying, I'm going to stop thinking about that. No, you you forgive people by getting in touch with the fact that I've incurred loss here unjustly, but Jesus, Father, You've poured mercy out upon me. I do not want to demand justice. I've received mercy. Humble me so I will give mercy. So the sense of injustice goes, and then help me see the lavish, huge benefits you've given to me that I have now. See, the only way that you can... can let me just be really blunt about this. I love you, church. You've got you to get this. If you're not forgiving someone... You are not seeing the cross and you haven't seen it for a while and you're not seeing the mercy of God. You're not seeing the lottery that you've received through the cross. You're not. And if you're honest, you'll say, that's right. You haven't thought about that for a while. You haven't felt it for a long time. The only way you can choke the second servant for $2,000 is if you have forgotten about what the king has done for you. That's the point of the parable. Now that, that's good news though. In a sense, Because it means that the way you can forgive, the way you can forgive is by turning your heart and seeing God's mercy in Christ. Merciful, lavish, lottery 
blessings through the cross. Forgiveness, new heart, born again, adopted into God's family, loved by him forever. That's how it works. That's how we forgive. Okay, so remember, here's the scale. And your spouse has unjustly caused you harm here. When you understand God's mercy to you, that burning desire to even the scales, okay, that'll be gone, okay? And the sense of loss, when you understand the lottery you've won through the cross, will just like go through the roof. And you'll be able to let it go and, and forgive. That's how it happens. Okay, now, to be faithful to the passage, I have to bring up verse 35. If you don't forgive, if you don't forgive, if you persist in not forgiving your spouse or, or anyone, what happens? Look at verses 34 and 35. In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So if you persist in not forgiving, you will not be forgiven. Do you feel the weightiness of what Jesus just said there? Now, why not? I think it's for this reason. It's because if you don't forgive someone, that shows that you do not value God's mercy expressed in the cross, and you do not see the cross as bringing you a lottery's worth of benefit. And if you haven't forgiven someone, you'll know that that's the truth in your heart. You'll say, that's just the truth. And so if you persist in not forgiving, that means that you, you do not and never have seen the mercy of God in the cross and the lottery of his blessings through the cross, which means you've never really been saved, which is why you won't be forgiven. No one can come to the cross and see the mercy of God, the benefits of the cross, and continue in unforgiveness. You cannot do it which is good news. That's how you forgive. Not willpower, not gritting your teeth, but setting your heart on the truth of God's mercy expressed in the cross. Okay, so back to your husband's just snapped at you. He's sitting in front of the TV. He says he's too tired. It's your turn. Take care of the kids. I'm not interested. Go take care of it. What should you do? Okay, anger rises up in your heart injustice, loss. This isn't right, right? These are the things that rise up in your heart. So what do you do? Okay, well, kids, it's bedtime. So while you're walking the kids back to their, to their baths, you're, you're praying, Jesus, help me. Help me. I'm not feeling it. I'm not seeing it now. Help me. Now, just a parenthesis here. This is one of the reasons why we, we urge you here at Mercy Hill Church Every day, at least, to get some time where you're connecting with Jesus in the word through prayer. Every day. Because if you've had time where you've connected with Jesus and seen his mercy and tasted his goodness and rejoiced in him already through the day, that day, it'll make it a lot easier. Okay? When, when, you, when this happens to you. If you've got to start from scratch, at this point in time, it'll be a lot harder. Right? It's like getting that car running and it hasn't been you know, started for a while. Okay? It's just a lot harder. Okay, but, but if, if, if you've got to start from, from scratch, start from scratch. 
all right? And you just pray while you're walking back, Jesus, help me. And you know those, those short, heartfelt prayers, Jesus is like he's all ears. And he will give you grace to forgive your husband. He will give you grace. Now, there can be some time. It can be a process. I would, I would reflect on some scriptures. Maybe, I don't know, this might sound kind of dorky, but maybe you, you could pick out a strategic Bible story to read to the kids about forgiveness or something or God's mercy, you know, whatever it might be. But the point is, you're just saying, Lord, help me while you're washing the kids. Lord, help me while you're, you're praying with them. Jesus, come and help me now while you're reading with them. And then as soon as you can, get some time where you can go straight before the Lord. Maybe get on your face before him and say, Jesus, change my heart. I am furious right now. And you call me to forgive. Help me. And he will help you. As you see his mercy, as you see the benefits he's given to you, your sense of injustice will be dissolved and your sense of loss will be eclipsed by the mercy and the benefits and the goodness of God. That's how it works. Now, here's you and there's your spouse. And there's some of the marriages, I would guess here, there's a mountain of sin that hasn't been forgiven. And the good news is that that can be completely removed according to this passage as you see the mercy and the lavish goodness of God. It can be completely removed. And so if you've got a marriage where there's this mountain of grudges between you and your spouse, forgive. Okay? Forgive. Forgive. You've got to forgive. Forgive them. Okay, let's see if there's any questions. It's always helpful just in case I've overstated something or, or understated something. That's very wise. Numbness is not a sign of forgiveness. Would you say I mean, love and care and concern is a sign of forgiveness? Yeah, not numbness. That's very wise. Somebody else? I would bring it up... Um, I mean, it, a marriage needs to function just as any other part of the body of Christ in some ways, and that is we are called to help each other see our areas of sin. So, wives, God will call you to help your husbands see their areas of sin. And husbands, God will call you to help your wife see her areas of sin. And we need to do this just according to Galatians 6, 1 and 2. In fact, let's just turn there real quick because this is a passage that kind of talks about how we do it. This passage is not about marriage, but what this passage says applies very well to marriage. So Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So there's this mingling together of gentleness and humility. I could be tempted too. I'm not sinless. So there's this, there's this humility of that. And then there's gentleness as we, as we bring it up. So I would as humbly and as straightforwardly as you could say, Hun, I could be wrong, but what I saw the other night, I don't think it was right. And I don't think it was loving and I don't think it was serving. And can we talk about that? Was there something going on that I wasn't aware of? Um, was this just, you know, was this like you had a really, really bad day and didn't, hadn't, hadn't talked about it? Or was this that you just were 
being malicious, and you would just talk. So that's and, and again, the goal is to have your spouse see. See, we all have blind spots, right? I mean, I've got blind spots, you've got blind spots. Jesus won't let you learn everything you need to know about yourself just between you and him and the word. He wants you to be humbled before your brothers and sisters, before your wife, before your husband. And so husbands and wives, it's a means of grace for you to be able to lovingly help each other see areas of sin in your lives and pray for each other and encourage each other and help each other. So that's the, is there any funny follow-up to that? Okay. Okay. Serve the right to ask another question. Abs- always. <laughs> always. Other questions or comments? Here's, here's my concern, and that is... Okay, there's, there's, there's more to learn than, about what's going on in their heart than you are aware of at that time. And that could help you to forgive, right? Because maybe... They just had a really bad day or whatever, and that might be helpful, right? Is that, is that what you're saying? I would probably encourage you to do both. That is, I would encourage you to get calmed down first, like you said. Go to the Lord, ask him for help, okay? Come and fill me, come and satisfy me, meet me. The danger that I, that I find in my own heart, and I think it's probably universal, is that is it's so easy when I go and talk to somebody, if I haven't gotten it resolved in my heart already, it is so easy to have that conversation turn ugly. I have done that. And um, anything, I just want to go and get it off my chest. Don't ever do that. <laughs> get it off your chest between you and Jesus. Okay? They won't let you get it off your chest if you go to the person, maybe. All right? So I just find it really helpful. First, go to Jesus. Get whatever phrase you use. Get at peace. Get, get calm. You're, you're receiving from him. So it's resolved. And then go to them. And you may still learn brand new stuff. And so, you know, go, because there's more to learn. Think the best. Ask them questions. Dialogue about it. But I think I would really, and, and that may help you forgive more later on. You may be able to be further reconciled with them after you talk. But I, I really would encourage you to go first, I think, because of the, the danger of, of what, I mean, what if you go to them and they just say, get lost, that could be difficult if you haven't forgiven them because then you have twice as much to deal with, okay? So that's what I would encourage. Does that make any sense? sense. Yes, it does. And they may not help you forgive them, right? And so, that, so it's dangerous. If you're looking for help to forgive and they don't give it, then, then it's going to be worse. So that's very helpful. Yeah, I don't think forgetting is part of forgiving. I don't, I mean... Anyway, I think people mean well when they say that, but it's not really. Okay, one more. And we could talk more about this, but, but forgiveness has, has different dimensions depending on the person's response. Right? If they are repentant and sorry, repentance or forgiveness will have a lot closer of a connection than if they continue hard and brutal. But you've got to forgive them either way. And you, you let it go and you do not hold it against them and you care about them. So let's stand together. Let's, just, let's pray. And again, our burden here, forgive your husband. Okay, would you forgive him? Yes. Women, would you forgive your husband? Okay. Men, will you forgive your wives? Okay. 
Because again, I would guess that some of you have a mountain of grudges that you, you need to get rid of. And Jesus' grace will enable you to get rid of it. Looking at the cross, the mercy of the cross and the benefits of the cross will change your heart. Your feelings towards your spouse will change. Come to him. Get on your face. Cry out to him. Open up the Bible. Pray. Read. Seek him. He'll change your heart. So Lord, we pray that you would do this in our hearts this week. Thank you, Jesus, for your teaching. Thank you for the mercy and the the lottery benefits of the cross. Work this into our hearts, into our marriages, into our relationships, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, forgive.